How many individuals who start gender-affirming hormones while adolescents continue into adulthood? Find out about this and more in today's PV Roundup podcast. I'm your host, Senior VP Medical Director, Dr. Tim Wright, coming to you once again from the Pioneer Valley in Western Massachusetts. Here are today's stories. From a study published in Lancet Child and Adolescent Health, we learned that the vast majority of transgender adolescents who receive gender-affirming hormones in their youth continue on to treatment in early adulthood. In a study of 720 transgender individuals in the Netherlands, 31% were assigned male at birth and 69% were assigned female at birth with hormone treatment starting at age 14 and 16, respectively. Overall, 98% who started the treatment continued the use of gender-affirming hormones at the end of the study at ages 20 and 19, respectively. In our next story, we learned that the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force has recommended against the use of hormone replacement therapy for the primary prevention of chronic conditions, such as cardiovascular disease, cancer, and osteoporosis in postmenopausal women on the use of a combination of estrogen and progestin, or estrogen alone for women who have had a hysterectomy in the primary prevention of chronic conditions, the task force gives the level of evidence a grade of D, suggesting no benefit from the therapy. The recommendation does not extend to the use of HRT for the management of perimenopausal vasomotor symptoms. And finally, a study published in JAMA Network Open comparing maternal and neonatal antibody levels after COVID-19 vaccine versus SARS-CoV-2 infection found that maternal and cord blood IgG antibody levels were at least tenfold higher after receiving COVID-19 vaccination compared with levels following SARS-CoV-2 infection. Furthermore, antibody levels were higher after vaccination with the Moderna mRNA-1273 vaccine compared with the BioNTech-Pfizer-BNT-162B2 vaccine. A study of 585 mothers and infants showed that IgG antibodies were detected in cord blood of 95.2% of the newborns, with mean IgA levels significantly higher among vaccinated recipients than after infection. Yet placenta transfer ratios were lower after vaccination versus after infection. The findings suggest that time from infection or vaccination to delivery was the most important factor in transfer efficiency. Additionally, the authors point out that their study did not address the effectiveness of vaccine in the prevention of infection among pregnant persons or newborns. And that's today's Medical Roundup. Thank you for joining us for this episode of PV Roundup Podcast. For more stories like this, visit us at pvroundup.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletters. Thoughts, comments, or suggestions? Please leave us a review on your preferred listening platform or email us at editorial at pvroundup.com. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or Google. You can also download our Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing, Medical News Roundup, and just ask, what's my Flash Briefing? Thanks today to Sean Mullen for production assistance. Join me next time for an episode where we cover the latest stories in the world of medicine.